Good morning and welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. We're so delighted that you are joining us this morning live or via a recording later, but we're always glad to have you with us. Encourage folks to say hello in the chat. Uh, it's great if you share your messages with everyone by making sure that your chat settings are set indeed for everyone. If you're visiting with us, whether from another ethical society or Unitarian Universalist congregation or any other geography than the DMV, we would love to have you shout that out to us. We'd love to know where folks are gathering in from. And so please do feel free to go ahead and share that. Good morning, Joe and Perry B. Good morning, Brian and Leanne and Rajesh. Ah, nice, great morning for a walk for sure. Good morning, Shirley and Christine. Good morning, Sue. We are so delighted you're here. Good morning, Jeff. Nice to see you again. Yes, thanks. I wish I could see you too. That day will come. We will again be able to see more of each other to concurrently. But it's great to have folks with us. Good morning, Christine. Good morning, all. We are delighted that you are here. This is a great time while folks continue to gather to get uh, a candle if you would like to light yours in your place while we do it uh, collectively during our candle lighting ceremony. Grab a beverage of choice, find a comfy spot to settle in as we continue to gather. Good morning, Trang and Adam. Good morning, Susan and Mary. Good morning, Dakin Household. So glad you're here. Good morning, Donna. It's great to have you with us. And folks are continuing to join us in the Zoom room. And I'm sure gathering in um, on the recording as well as they join in. So we'll let folks gather just another minute. Again, remind folks you can set your chat settings to everyone so we can all see your hellos. And we will begin in just a moment. If you want to settle in, get your, you have your beverage and your comfy spot and your candle if you are so inclined. Well, again, I think we are ready to begin officially, more slightly more formally. So good morning and welcome to the Ethical Society, Washington Ethical Society. Our opening words this morning are from Erica Hewitt. <clears throat> welcome to this morning, this day, and this opportunity to be together in community which is a time of joy, comfort, and sometimes challenges. This is a place where we come to learn more about being human. We're not here because we figured out life questions or because we think we've got it right. We come here to learn more about being in relationship together, how to listen, how to forgive, how to be vulnerable, <clears throat> and how to create trust and compassion in one another. Let us gather together, willing to be authentic with each other, honest within ourselves, and opening to connection in all its forms. We begin today's platform with music from Interim Music Coordinator, Leah Morris. So Come and past the innocence can never last. Wake me up when September ends. Like my parents come to pass, all this time flies by.
Mm. Well, we hope that you are all awake now with that beautiful music and welcome to this first Sunday morning of the autumn season here in our Northern Hemisphere. Good morning and again, welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Karen Schofield Leica. My pronouns are per and pers, short for person. And I'm the officiant this morning and delighted to be here with you. Excuse me. <clears throat> Visitors from near and far, we especially welcome you. We hope that you'll say hello in the chat and that you might send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, at maceot at ethicalsociety.org. That's M-A-C-E-O-T at ethicalsociety.org. You can also fill out a connection form and that link will appear in the chat. I think it's there already. And we hope that you'll join us after this platform service at virtual coffee hour for a chance to say hello. Our chat will stay open through much of the platform service, closing for the address itself and then reopening. So if you do not care to be watching the chat, this is a good time to minimize it. Um, you will also notice that closed captioning is available and you can turn that on or off as you prefer. Each week, we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. And if you are interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc readsop. Our reader this morning is Joe London, a member of the Community Relations Committee. I'm going to turn it over to Joe for a brief announcement and then our statement of purpose. Good morning, Joe. Now, Joe, you need to unmute yourself so we can all hear you. Okay. Thank you, dear. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Karen. I just want to thank all the people who came to our workshop yesterday on, uh, on dealing with conflict. It, it went wonderfully, I think, and I hope the uh, participants agree. We have another workshop coming up on January 22nd on um, sustaining positive relationships. <clears throat> so please save the date. And then in March, on a date yet to be determined, we'll have our uh, fourth workshop on creating um, building community. And now for the statement of purpose. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Joe. And now, if you have a candle at home, I invite you to light it as I share our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Thank you, Joe, and thank you, Karen. Good morning. My name's Lynn Cox, my pronouns are they, them. I'm the interim leader here at the Washington Ethical Society. My colleague, Monica Dobbins, shared a thought about the Opportunity Rover on Mars, and I'd like to tell you what she said about it. These are mainly her words, and the story about opportunity is true. My battery is low and it's getting dark. Some time ago, scientists, professional and amateur alike, celebrated and mourned as a little robot's life came to a heroic end with those words, its final message back to Earth. The Opportunity Mars rover was meant to last only 90 days 
after landing on the red planet, yet managed to explore the planet's surface for almost 15 years before finally succumbing to a dust storm that prevented her from recharging. What stood out to me about the news coverage of the rover was the way people anthropomorphized the robot, referring her to her as NASA engineers did by her nickname, Oppie. Social media was alight with poems, artwork, and memories of the robot, our parting tribute to another human miracle. Maybe the metaphor is too obvious. Pursuing opportunity has sometimes led me into very lonesome, vulnerable places. But in the best of times, I had a team back on earth cheering me on, reading my reports, anxious to see what I would discover next, reminding me of the worthiness of my mission. Too often, I've told myself that I have to do whatever it is I'm trying to do all by myself. Too often, I see the great stuff other people are doing, and I wonder how I could ever measure up. I feel like a fraud, and I hide my light under a bushel. And maybe you do too. But you, yes you, little old you, are brilliant. And you're worthy of being out there among the stars, traveling at light speed, discovering things no one has ever seen before. What you are learning while you're here, alive with us, could change everything. The ground team behind you, who knows how far you can go? With the ground team behind you, who knows? how far you could go, maybe farther than you could have ever imagined, maybe farther than anyone could have imagined. So what could you accomplish this week if you knew you had a ground team wishing you well? How could you expand the map of our shared wisdom? To whom will you return after your mission? And what gifts will you bring? And who are the other explorers around you? needing a word of encouragement that would mean so much coming from you. So ends the story. The things we learn, the way we come to understand what we are truly capable of, the possibilities for change in the universe can all be drawn out in communities of people who encourage one another. We can change and be changed by communities of learning, growth, and justice. We can listen to the explorers whose voices have not been encouraged in the past, moving toward the day when everyone can have a ground team cheering them on. As we move into the centering time of our platform, let's reflect on the gifts that may be hiding inside ourselves and others, and the amazing possibilities that will unfold when each and every person can be part of a community of discovery and liberation. Thanks, Lynn. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I'm particularly mindful of asylum seekers, immigrants, and all who care about the complex calculus of how our country draws the circle of who is in and who is out of our community. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. You have to imagine a chime here. It doesn't want to chime. <laughs> there we go. I invite you now into a time of meditation. To begin, I encourage you to wiggle around until you find a position where your body feels supported. 
and at ease. So I'll do that shifting and adjusting and stretching and settling. And as your body balances and stills, take a number of deep breaths, drawing in inspiration and releasing any tension. Breathe again. You may close your eyes or soften your gaze and continue to breathe evenly. Our theme of the month is embracing possibility. Our guided meditation begins with an excerpt from a poem by Andrea Gibson called, Say Yes. When two violins are placed in a room, if a chord on one violin is struck, the other violin will sound the note. If this is your definition of hope, this is for you. The ones who know how powerful we are, who know we can sound the music and the people around us simply by playing our own strings. This is for the possibility that guides us and for the possibility still waiting to sing. Whatever song we've been singing, we sing even more. The world needs us right now more than it ever has before. Pull all your strings. Play every chord. This is for saying yes. This is for saying yes. So, what is the song that you sing? Can you hear it? in your heart, in your head, in your body? And how does that song resonate along with others? And how do you respond when a chord is struck in you What calls you to say yes? We continue our meditation in silence and the music that follows. Songs, so many songs. 
Good morning. I'm Mesa Thomas, the membership coordinator. I was introduced to Paolo Freire. I was introduced to Paolo Freire nearly exactly 21 years ago. He was all over my graduate program in health education at the University of North Carolina. And not too long into the selected readings did I realize we had met some years earlier during my time as a Peace Corps volunteer. Since those fall days in Chapel Hill, as classmates and faculty discussed Freire and empowerment education and social justice, I've shared his distilled message countless times, mostly in informal settings, often over social gatherings and with great joy. I am not an expert on pedagogy of the press or any of his writings. What I gather from Freire's inclusion in the beginning of our two-year program was that this was a method for us as students and future public health practitioners to reconsider how power is distributed. The paradigm of traditional education has power centered in the hands of the teacher, and they share their knowledge, resources, understanding with the student. As all of us being students over decades, we experience this power differential. Now was the time to question this power paradigm. The need to question this paradigm is rooted in understanding that power dynamics create public health inequities, illnesses, and problems. As future practitioners, our mission was to dis disrupt these dynamics. What Fur did for me is to understand that there is power in who asks the questions. Question posing is what the term was. We are all, or at least can be, co-learners together if we allow each other to inventory our knowledge, our experiences, and share them. There is no one teacher. Our experiences are diverse. We started at different places. We operate with values that overlap. We all have something valuable to share. We are co-learners if we allow ourselves to be. One of the very first assignments that was asked of us in our first weeks in the program was, what is community? Well, damn, that seems like such an easy question which to respond. Oh, the professors knew what they were doing. There absolutely was not an easy answer. And after two semesters as a cohort, we did have, we did not have the answer. What I think we learned as a group, at least what I took away from the assignment was that community requires a continued process that surveys our shared histories or language or culture and values or needs or wants or so many other variables. <clears throat> and it's questions and resource sharing and transparency that, that takes time to form a community. In some communities we find it has been formed over generations and created distinct norms and values. 
We also have newer communities working to form and create new norms and values. We can be challenged in these new community formations by bringing the same norms and values from our existing communities and immediately applying them as if it's the one way. This often means we bring the undisrupted power dynamics with us. Rather, the time to build and create new communities requires us to allow as many as possible to pose the questions, to share the resources, to allow their understandings. This is the work of building community. Thank you so much, Maceo. We are lucky to have you among us as one of the co-learners. When I was a little kid, the street we lived on was a little bit like Sesame Street. The kids around me looked like the kids on the show, diverse in rage and age, and in race and age and disability, in language, in religion. It was a cluster of families riding the edge between working class and middle class. None of us thought of ourselves as wealthy, but the kids I knew had three meals most of the time. The imaginary creatures we ran around looking for weren't exactly like Snuffleupagus, but we did have shared stories, vacant lots that seemed like other worlds, enough freedom to strike up conversations and invent activities that weren't mediated by school or parents. I didn't think of it this way at the time, but this was a community of learning and dialogue. It was a group experience of people whose voices weren't necessarily respected or welcomed in the big world but where we could be curious or thoughtful, a circle where ideas could develop in the process of give and take and experimentation. And when I grew up enough to participate in justice-seeking communities, I found some common practices that seemed like they were trying to create this thing that had occurred naturally, given enough proximity, freedom, safety, and respect. I found small group discussions where people could connect their lived experiences of marginalization or oppression with theories and observations about larger systems. I found group agreements that tried to help adults unlearn our implicit biases, to lift up the voices and leadership of those most impacted by injustice. I found experiences of vulnerability and intimacy and question posing in small groups, which then could be connected to other small groups and a larger mission toward the goal of all of us getting free together. Some of the paradigms and techniques that these justice-seeking communities were inspired by had been articulated by Paulo Freire, especially in his book, Pedagogy of the Oppressed, which was first translated and published in English in 1970. Freire proposes rethinking the experience of learning as one in which the teacher and students co-create knowledge. In contrast with what he calls the banking model of education in which students are vessels of knowledge waiting to be filled, Ferry suggests the problem posing or question posing model of education in which the teacher and students have authentic and meaningful dialogue that encourages the co-learners to see themselves and each other as human, people capable of thought and action that transform the world. Discussion by itself is not enough to be liberatory. The dialogic actions that Freire describes involve unity, compassion, organization, and cultural synthesis. So when justice movements give people an opportunity to learn together, to be in dialogue about the way that respects the humanity of those who have endured dehumanization, the movements may be drawing from Freire. It's not so strange to think of my childhood friends as a learning community. One of Freire's points um, summarized by Eduardo Mendieta was that schooling means life. That is, learning is both indispensable to life and takes place in the midst of living. Everywhere the people are and everywhere where listening is possible is a place for liberatory education. On the other hand, there were some things that set a group of kids apart from the dialogic learning groups that Freire talked about. While I think we had an age-appropriate understanding of ourselves as a community, 
we didn't have a sense of unity in the struggle. To achieve that unity, learning groups engage in action and reflection as the co-learners come to understand why they hold the beliefs they do. As kids, we weren't unpacking the myths of cultural superiority or inferiority. We weren't working to figure out how to wield power in anti-oppressive ways towards our goals. So while people coming together in a diverse community to engage in dialogue can be a form of school anywhere, meeting and dialogue in themselves do not lead automatically to liberation. It is a mistake to boil down Freire's philosophy to a technique of dialogue or an insistence on conversation alone without consciousness raising and putting reflection into action. What I think the observation of children and community can do for us is to demonstrate that liberatory education is closer within the reach of people who are learning together than we might imagine. As ethical humanists, we are very familiar with the supreme ethical rule to act in such a way as to elicit the best in others and therefore in ourselves. At the All Societies platform recently, Louise Jett reminded us that one of the other parts of this rule is to respect the uniqueness of others and of ourselves. And Felix Adler was an educator, one who believed firmly that education should be available to people in every social class. There seemed to be a number of parallels between what Adler was trying to achieve and what Freire was trying to achieve. For Freire, the potential for education is to bring out not just an abstract notion of the best or highest or most ethically correct, but an experience of humanization, an experience of being a subject and not an object. This is particularly important for learners who are surrounded by a worldview that tells them that they are objects. If we consider Adler's and Freire's philosophies as similar projects and can take into account what Freire said about what it takes to truly be a humanist, it may help us to continue growing and maturing our humanism for liberation in a changing world. One of the obstacles that Freire took up in his writing was the issue of privileged person who attempts to work in solidarity with people who are historically marginalized. Freire might have articulated this as someone from the oppressor class attempting to be part of a movement for the liberation of the oppressed. And, and Maceo talked about this a minute ago. If we've been moving through a world that was designed for our convenience, it can be difficult to notice when we're trying to recreate the structures of oppression, or when we're trying to leave those structures intact, even when our goals are for the transformation of society and culture toward justice. Freire writes about what it can look like when someone chooses solidarity over paternalism. The radical committed to human liberation does not become the prisoner of a circle of certainty from which reality is also imprisoned. On the contrary, the more radical the person is, the more fully he or she enters into reality so that knowing it better, he or she can better transform it. The individual is not afraid to confront, to listen, to see the world unveiled. The person is not afraid to meet the people or enter into dialogue with them. This person does not consider himself or herself the proprietor of history or of all people or the liberator of the oppressed, but he or she does commit himself or herself within history to fight at their side. In our conversations with each other as a West community and in conversations with our community partners and movement partners for justice, it will not work if we operate as those trying to be the proprietors of history or liberators of the oppressed. Many of us were trained to be experts in a certain field, but it is not our expertise that is needed in many justice-making or community-building situations. It is our trust our willingness to show up and listen, our steady commitment to transformation. This is the stance that our West Global Connections Group takes in collaboration with our partner village in El Rodeo, El Salvador. When the group was getting started, many of the leaders were familiar with the kinds of charities that parachute in for a week and try to fix something that they as the experts see as a problem. And the Global Connections team members were determined that this was not going to be that kind of project. 
I mentioned to Susan Runner from the Global Connections team that I was thinking about Paulo Freire and bringing out the best in each other and the partnership in El Rodeo. And Susan said, I think the most important is the time we took to get to know the community and what their community prioritized. This process took several years, but in the end, we have a wonderful solar powered water system and composting toilets. All of the work in gaining trust and friendships was critical. We now have actual partnership in hopefully planning their future. So there's a lot more that can be said about global connections and I hope we can hear it directly from the group leadership and a platform before the end of this program year. My point is that solidarity is possible and is an authentic expression of humanist values. Um, acknowledging 1970 pronouns, Ferry writes, a real humanist can be identified more by his or her trust in the people, which engages him or her in their struggle, than by a thousand actions in their favor without that trust. In other words, Freire says that doing good works is not enough to be part of liberation or true community building. Trusting the people who are most impacted by oppression to know what they need and what they want from their allies is a humanist practice. At West, many of our members have been in conversation about the arrival of new neighbors who evacuated from Afghanistan. There is compassion and energy around the project of welcoming these new neighbors. For people who have lost their homes and most of their possessions, respecting their agency and wisdom is critical. We must approach our welcome for our new neighbors as a partnership, as an opportunity to grow transformative, trusting community with each other and with our neighbors, not something we as subjects do for and to our new neighbors as objects. The coordinating team members for Wes's Afghan Welcome Project are already on top of this. So if you aren't yet involved and would like to be, talk to Kate Lang or attend the meeting during coffee hour next Sunday. West members have demonstrated capability for this stance of partnership and solidarity. And I look forward to seeing members apply these humanist values in a new way. For me, even as someone who grew up on that edge of transcending the working class, even as someone who experiences some marginalization on the basis of sexual orientation and gender, I am not immune from the patterns of colonization and white supremacy. I know that I can bring unconscious bias with me into spaces where my better self would want me to resist those biases. I rely on people in my learning communities to bring me back to the practice of liberation when I unconsciously fall into the patterns of the dominant culture. Some of these dominant culture patterns include all or nothing thinking, an insistence on there being only one right way to do things, and a reverence for the written word over the emerging wisdom of group learning. An oppressive system, one that treats only some people as subjects and everyone else as objects, wants everything to stay the same so that the objectified people can keep fitting into their roles like cogs in a machine. An oppressive system wants permanent rules and it wants to rush things along so that no one has time to critically examine cultural hierarchies. Freire suggests that the process of humanization equips people for creatively and actively meeting a changing and fluid world. The ways of doing things will keep changing. People who are subjects are capable of transforming the world toward justice, and that transformation will be ongoing. Again, Freire said that reality is not imprisoned in a circle of certainty. The person who is seeking justice in a community of co-learners who are humanizing each other seeks to know reality as it is, to unveil it, so as to be better able to transform reality. In an ongoing process of transformation toward liberation, we can't count exclusively on the static written word, and we can't be certain of a single right way of doing things. Flexibility is a humanist practice. Flexibility, however, is easier said than done. Which brings us back to the need for dynamic groups of co-learners, people who examine reality and philosophy and lived experience and channel their reflection on those things into action. One interpretation of the word education is that it is rooted in the words for calling forth. 
Education is about encouraging, drawing people out, setting conditions where people can co-create a future. Small groups in community building can do this. The new Thai groups that are likely to begin next month have built some of this into their design. It's not about an expert filling people with knowledge, but about people reflecting and practicing together what it means to be human. There is still time to sign up for a Thai group. Talk to Maceo if you're interested. Our groups for learning and reflection and personal growth have the potential to support our flexibility, our ability to keep moving forward when transformation means adaptation. It helps us to have encouragers, what my colleague called a ground crew in the story earlier. If our model for community is a place where people act in such a way as to bring out the best in others and therefore in ourselves, our model for community is one of co-learners. We can apply the principles of liberatory education to humanist community building, including practices of dialogue, trust, and transformation. May we act with courage and compassion. And may all of our groups of encouragers find each other in larger circles in our mission of love and justice. May it be so. After some music, we'll have community sharing time when you can write into the chat about what resonated with you today. A framing question might help to spark a memory of a personal experience or your direct observation. If you like, you can focus your sharing on this question. Who is in your learning community? That is, who gives you courage to unveil reality and to transform the world? As we contemplate rest and reflect, let us experience the beauty of the musical response.
Well, thank you so much to Maceo for that first person reflection of Freire and to Lynn for that great exploration of being a learning community together and to the West Chorus for a terrific song to cap that all off. Just wonderful all together. Now this is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections in the, on the platform and what resonates for you in your own life. And you might consider that framing question, which is who is in your learning community? That is, who gives you courage to unveil reality and transform the world? I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or in the comments if you're watching later via the recording. I see that Kate Lang has already added um, an encouragement to be in touch if you'd like to join the Afghan welcome team and have not already indicated your interest and her email address is there in the chat and noting that that group will be meeting next Sunday which is October 3rd during the coffee hour so a great opportunity to to join a learning community uh, that is thinking about uh, support and mutual learning and liberation in solidarity with others. Laura Steele comments, it occurs to me that a perfect marriage of sorts is what we learned yesterday in the workshop, which is the Community Relations Committee workshop about controversial issues, and what Lynn is discussing about how we be what we say we are, ethical humanists. I believe the doing out in the world needs to begin in our own community first. And Wes does create a natural opportunity for learning community. So thanks for that reminder, Laura. We uh, definitely, there's probably no lack of ways to learn, right? It's how do we do that deep learning and how do we um, do so together in solidarity and in community. That is indeed both an opportunity and a challenge before us all. We're a reflective rather than discussive group, it seems, first thing this morning. There's a lot there to chew on for sure. And so continue, we'll create a little quiet space to let people gather their thoughts. Vincent says, Everyone in the world is in my learning circle. If you talk to people long enough and listen to them, you will find everyone you will ever meet knows something you don't, which is a quote from Bill Nye. Abby says, you know, it's corny as hell, but in a limited sense, that's why I like the people in my professional field. We are trying to understand how best to mitigate climate change for the express purpose of changing the world. Sonia loves Vincent's quote. Adam says, good truth there, Vincent and Abby. Rajesh says, I'm conscious of the extent to which I have absorbed dominant culture norms. Worship for the written word, a sense of urgency to get things done, irrespective of what the process of getting there is. Right, hard to resist that sense of urgency rather than perhaps focusing on what's important. Good, good observation, Rajesh, good reminder to us all. And time, right? We've talked a lot um, implicitly, I think, about the use of the time that we have before us. And it says, like Maceo, I found Paolo Freire during Peace Corps and had the opportunity to really dive deep and try to apply the praxis of liberation during my work goes on to say, it was hard, and I know I got a lot wrong. Hmm. Well, thanks for that honesty, Adam, and that reminder that it is, it is work, right? It is work to do this, and hard, but, ah, it says, but it has continued to be important to how I view my professional life, right? So you've stayed in the doing. Congratulations to you for that encouragement to us all to stick with the hard thing when it's the good thing to do, indeed. Leave another bit of space for people to convey their thoughts. 
Well, I will continue to encourage you to reflect on what you've heard, what has resonated for you, think about the possibilities. Uh, Lane says, beautifully said, Vincent. Several days ago, I added a woman I met in the Isle of Walgreens to my learning circle. Educational theorists Lave and Wenger describe learning as, quote, communities of practice, end quote. Everyone is a powered participant rather than an object recipient. Wow. I love that, Elaine, that especially that communities of practice. Lynn cautioned us that just the learning for learning's sake is a tricky thing unless we connect it to action. So that community of practice is a great way of doing that. Deep thoughts this morning. Well, just as we share our perspectives in this community, and please continue to do so into the chat, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. And we, of course, appreciate each person's generous giving as they are able. This month, half of the offering is dedicated to the Congregation a Action Network, sorry, Congregation Action Network, of which Wes is a member. The Congregation Action Network, or CAN, is a network of faith communities in Washington, D.C. and the Maryland and Virginia suburbs. And it's acting in solidarity to end detention, deportation, profiling, and criminalization of immigrants, and demanding and upholding justice, dignity, safety, and family unity. No small task. On the slide, you'll see the number for text to give for today's collection, which is 202-335-1885. You can also make a gift by visiting tiny.cc slash westgives or going online to our website at ethicalsociety.org and clicking the donation button. We'll now receive your gifts and the gifts of music by Zachariah Hickman. Well, thank you so much to the many people who helped create this morning's time together. So interim music coordinator, Leah Morris, guest musician, Zachariah Hickman, as well as our own Perry Bider on piano and vocals, and the West Chorus. Thank you to membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, slide artists, John and Abby Dakin, and tech host, Sonia Coopers. Thank you to Robin Kravitz for communication support. And thank you to those who are leading and supporting our work in the weeks to come. 
As always, this week has a variety of opportunities for West members and friends to connect virtually around shared interests and in support meetings and discussion groups. And we hope you'll join us again next Sunday, October 3rd, when Pablo de Jesus from Unitarian Universalists for Social Justice will offer a platform with the title Collective Liberation or Bust, Voting Rights is a Must. And a few things to look forward to in the days, of in the days ahead. The Sci-Fi Book Group is meeting today by Zoom at 1 p.m. They will be discussing Paolo Basukubagolpi's Basukubagolpi's, yes, I think I got that right, Water Knife this month, and briefly confirming plans for October and November. So contact Adam Briskin Limehouse for more information, or check the calendar on the West website for the link. The Widening the Anti-Racism Lens at West Group meets for its final session by Zoom tomorrow night, Monday, September 27th at 7 p.m. If you've been involved in any of the oral sessions throughout the spring and summer, here's your chance to be part of the wrap-up. Please register for tomorrow's session on Sign Up Genius, and one of our WARL team members is going to drop that chat in the link in a moment. There will be an online town hall on Wednesday to discuss whether West membership meetings should be recorded. This town hall meeting will provide an opportunity for the West community to share opinions on this issue in advance of a final decision to be made at the October membership meeting. So the town hall again is on Wednesday, is the 29th of September at 7 until 8.30 p.m. And please email Sarah M, S-A-R-A-H-M, at ethicalsociety.org to receive the meeting link. The Afghan Welcome Project is waiting to learn more about new neighbors who will be um, arriving from Afghanistan. And at the moment, there's about 1,600 of our new neighbors who are undergoing medical screening and vaccination and waiting to be resettled in Maryland sometime after October 10th. They won't have the actual designation of refugees and so will not have the same governmental support as traditional refugees do, making it all the more important that we welcome them into our communities with solidarity. So as noted, there's gonna be a meeting during the coffee hour period next Sunday, October 3rd. And if you'd like to be part of that West Afghan Welcome Project, contact Kate Lang. And again, her email is in the chat. Families of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, uh, there's gonna be a middle school meetup after platform next Sunday, October 3rd. There are other activities in the works for the pre-K to second grade group, for third to fifth grade kids, and for high school youth as well. And families um, of children and youth should fill out a registration form if they think they might participate at West this year. You can contact SEEK coordinator Indara Miles at Indara M, that's N-D-A-R-A-M, at ethicalsociety.org with any questions or to sign up. You can find the details. There was a lot of details, like a lot of things going on. Um, you can find those details for these and other events on our website calendar at ethicalsociety.org. And finally, whether you've been with us live on Zoom or are watching the recording later, thank you for being here with us. And before we depart, um, I am going to drop into the chat a link to it's a very short ted uh ted talk video shorter even than a usual ted talk um to, for you to watch later um it's a funny little clip about the role of leaders and followers and i think it has some linkage to our conversation today about being um, a learning community and um, how we best co-participate in that. So let me add that. Um, there's the link, I encourage you. I think you'll enjoy it. It's, it's short and it's funny. And now let's enjoy together our closing song of the month, Everything Possible, which is performed by the West Chorus. We cleared off the table, let go to say, wash the dishes and put them away. I told you a story, tucked you in time, 
you to join in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, embracing possibility in our quest for a better world. Everything's possible. Thank you, everyone. It's great to have you with us. Please join us for a virtual coffee hour by pointing your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour. You can also find the link here on the slide. And I think we'll drop the links into the chat in a moment as well. And um, once we're in the Zoom coffee hour space, we divide into breakout groups. And you're welcome to drift in and out as you choose to greet different people. So it is actually an opportunity to mix and mingle if you're so inclined or to dig in a little bit, uh, spend a little bit more time with a smaller group of folks and actually see people face to face. So it's very it's very much wonderful. So please head on over there. Again, it's tiny cc slash west coffee hour and if you are a guest with us this morning or new to our community please send an email to our membership membership coordinator maceo thomas and introduce yourself we'll drop his email um, and the connection link into the chat as well uh, it's a great way to you know learn some more about our community um, encourage everybody to have a great week 
um, just uh, enjoy this glorious autumn weather um, and think about your learning community. Think about that and where are you in solidarity? Uh, bring that mindfulness to your dealings in the week ahead. Look forward to seeing everyone soon. Again, have a great week and we will indeed be closing this off very shortly. So I encourage you to hop over there um, while you have a chance.